over time I figured out the right combination for me is a one-off fee which is paid 50% non-refundable um, upfront and then 50% mm -hmm. at the end of the project and then we, we negotiate a royalty and sometimes because um, often like the you're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it! What's up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar is Lizzie Snow, and she is a visual artist originally from New Zealand working under her artist name, 4100. Inspired by fractals in nature, Lizzie creates contemporary explorations of the mandala and free-flowing artworks. The mediums Lizzie engages in include original artworks, internationally commissioned murals, limited edition prints and collectibles, and collaborations with brands and artists worldwide such as Lululemon, Converse, Blunt Umbrellas, Topshop, Allbirds, Whitakers, and more. With a master's degree in fine arts, a bachelor of design degree, and over 100,000 followers online, Lizzie continues to grow her artist brand and business while inspiring the world with her captivating artworks. In this episode, we chat about some embarrassing moments, the insides and outs of her creative business, and how she's able to land some of her top clients, and so much more. So I'm excited to dive in. Let's go ahead and get to it. All right, gang stars, I'm super excited. I have Lizzie here, also known as 4100. She's in the house. She's about to drop some value and share her story. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for having me. It's my first podcast, like I just told you, so I'm a little nervous, but stoked to be here. <laughs> Yay! And I feel so honored to be your first podcast, and what a great first podcast to be on than the Gangstar Creative Podcast, so exactly. I know our listeners are super excited. <laughs> yeah, thanks so, for having me. Yeah, no problem. Tell us, or, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who is Lizzie? Where did you start? Take us on a journey on, you know, where you started and where you are today. Sure thing. So my name is Lizzie Snow and I work under my artist name 4100. I started my business, you know, really taking art seriously when I was 18 and I was in New Zealand in the capital city called Wellington. I studied a Bachelor of Design and Master of Fine Arts, although they were very like conceptual degrees. And then after studying, I moved to Canada to further my career. And I've been here for two years and it's been amazing, but I definitely have a strong connection back home with New Zealand and I fly back and forth for murals and commissions and that kind of thing. So I'm Kiwi, but I'm branching out into the world. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. So take us back like to, I guess, when you were in school, you were studying arts, like was your style of art always your style of art or like how did you get into your specific style of art? Mm, good question. So um, my degrees were very conceptual and academic based. So we never like collectively drew or painted. It was more writing and reading and research. So I kind of paired that with what I was already fascinated in, which is um, patterns and fractals and nature. And so I guess my style just evolved um, and became more structured and particular like that. So it was studying was awesome, but it was definitely my own style that kind of evolved. That's cool. Were you always, did you have any um, desire to like have like a different full-time jobs or like way of living? Like I know a lot of artists, um, they like want to be prof like professors or teach in the arts and then do their art on the side. Did you automatically just jump into art full-time right out of college? Um, or did you kind of have a transition between like a normal day job and then something happened to where you were able to pursue it, you know, full-time? Hmm. Um, I am like super intense. And so I was like straight off the bat, like, <laughs> I'm going to be a professional, like I'm going all in, going hard. So um, I, that when I was 18, it was my first year in university. And so I kind of used that four years of time to network and develop my brand and figure out how I was going to make it as an artist. So um, I definitely had mm. like some part-time jobs in university, but I made sure they were also on the right track. So working part-time in an art gallery or, you know, different things like that. But my first full-time job is being an artist and it's going to be my life. 
Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And so, so I fun. think that what's something that you can take, our listeners can take away is that, you know, while you were in school, you had the mindset and the ambition and goal to like, you already knew that you wanted to do this full time. And I found, um, I didn't go to like an art school per se, but I was in the art program at my college. And I found that a lot of the artists and creatives there, it's just like a lot of people just stick to the college curriculum and like what they assign you and just kind of let the curriculum guide you and think that you're going to be successful from that. When I love that you shared that, you know, you kind of were just doing it on the side, like you were working for what you wanted (laughs) while you were getting your education, which I think is what every creative and artist should do when you're in art school. Obviously you're learning and growing, you know, from your teachers and whatever the curriculum is and all the different types of classes. But at the same time, I always like emphasize and would like tell my friends when I was in college, like you should be like joining these like, you know, uh, like AIGA, which is like the Creative Artists Guild or whatever. And you should be going and learning and you should be like doing freelancing and like learning how to enhance your craft other than like the silly projects that you get inside the actual classroom. Um, Exactly. it's It's really cool that you are doing that. And I think that's something key that a lot of the listeners can take away. Yeah, I guess like it's just all about picking and choosing and making the best out of an experience, you know, like every Mm -hmm. experience you just kind of have to pick and choose. Like for example, at university, um, I mean, undergrad is usually kind of standard, but in my master's, I had this amazing lecturer who was like, I worked with all the time, but then there were other ones too that I kind of consulted with. And some of the (laughs) things that I remember the most are comments like there's no money in art you should quit now (laughs) or you know like these like Mm -hmm. big statements from these senior people and wow I guess I'm kind of like a little bit stubborn and I was like you know what like if you like I'm gonna take that on board as part of my fuel of how I am gonna be successful so I don't know like everything is a great experience and everything has negatives but you just have to pick and choose what you let get to you and yeah use university as a great experience or if you aren't doing that use something else like you can carve your path in no matter what you're doing yeah no I love that and I think every creative listening if they haven't heard it yet you will hear those you know typical naysayers saying like oh like art isn't real or you can't make real money from it but like you're living proof that you can and there's so many artists and other guests that I've had on the podcast are living proof that you can (laughs) but I think the key is just like you have to be in control of that like you can't rely on other people to do that for you exactly and you have to be your own biggest fan you know like you have to believe so hard in what you're doing and just keep going even on days or weeks or months that don't feel good and then other people will believe in you you know yeah absolutely where did your artist moniker come from 4100 what does that mean (laughs) lots of people ask that um so 41 is the latitude coordinate of wellington where i kind of started my journey and then Mm. 100 links back to the wholeness and completion those themes in my artwork Um, but Mm. i love working under an artist name for a few reasons it's like a little bit makes you a little anonymous even though i put myself out a lot on social media and in life but I also wake up and it's like I have to honor this thing that's almost its own (laughs) entity you know so it Mm. makes me work really hard and then at networking events because I'm actually really shy but then when I go to something representing 4100 I'm super like extroverted so I don't know it works for me in that way (laughs) (laughs) I love that and it's interesting hearing that you know you you are extroverted as a creative because I find that most creatives are typically introverted. Um, do you well, feel like I'm introverted for sure? But ah, that is not. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I like to touch on that too. So it's almost kind of like not necessarily like a character, but it's just like you're stepping into this bigger, um, this bigger idea and this bigger person and this bigger um, symbol of like what it means to be 4100 in the art that you're trying to share with the world and you step up almost as like a leader for yourself and the people that enjoy your art, um, exactly. even though you are introverted. Yeah, and I guess we love, we wear different hats in all parts of our life when I'm with my grandma or my boyfriend or mm. in my work, you know, we're always wearing and juggling these different hats, but 
I guess for me, I feel like I have these two very distinct parts in my brain. And one is like creative and soulful and it's all like passion and purpose. And that's where my art comes from. And then there's the other part of my brain that's like business, strategy, goal setting, like getting shit done. <laughs> and so they kind of balance each other out and enable me to do the things. <laughs> I love that. And it's interesting that you point out like, you know, that you do have both sides of that brain, the creative side and then the business kind of structured side. For creatives listening, I know a lot of people have, you know, reached out to me and say that's something that they struggle with, you know, and then sometimes that I have struggled with through my creative journey as well. Mm. What is something that you can um, give as advice for those listening that kind of struggle with balancing or taking hold of doing both, you know, like the creative side of things where you're so excited to do your creative ca- craft and be passionate about it and have all this energy towards that one thing. But then also, you know, there's that business side of it where there's structure, organization, you know, like reaching out to people and all of that I stuff. Know. It, it is really hard. I feel like part of the reason I chose to be an artist is that it's like, I feel like it's the hardest thing to do. But <laughs> if is. you want to be an artist, not just because you can create art and I actually really appreciate it when people are hobbyist artists because they don't have to do all the artist business side. But mm-hmm. if you're going to be an artist and that is your career, you need to figure out the business and it's actually different for everyone. And I didn't study business, but you are always researching and looking at different artists and figuring out how they did it. Um, and then there are amazing tools online like Skillshare and YouTube and you can Google everything. So I've definitely figured it out as I go and you learn and develop. Um, I guess an example is like when I first started, I used that website was Society6, like Redbubble, mm-hmm. you know those ones? Yeah. yeah um, that. And that was, yeah, and it was like a great way to get my art onto products out there. And then I eventually realized like I make such a small amount from it, but I can see that tapestries are like the best selling thing. So I pulled all my work from Redbubble and I like managed to get together a few savings and I got my own line of printed tapestries. And that's when I started to really develop my brand into like, I create original artworks and prints and my own product lines. And so, you know, you do grow and evolve um, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. How long ago or like how long has it, has it been for you being, and working as like a professional full-time artist? Uh, so I'm 24. Um, mm-hmm. So I finished uni when I was 22. So last year was like the first year, like out of university. Wow. You know? So yeah, so I'm yeah. super fresh. Like I'm really early on in my career, but I feel really focused and passionate and I know things will change and evolve, but yeah, I'm just loving the process and I'm, I'm really proud of where yeah. I am at the moment. So that's cool. You should be. Congrats. I mean, <laughs> you being too. 24, only doing it, <laughs> doing it for only a short amount of time and you've already accomplished so much that a lot of artists, you know, aspire and strive to accomplish. So I definitely want to give you a hand clap for that one. <laughs> you um, too. So awesome. <laughs> oh, thank well, you. I mean, you can make your dreams come true, you know, it's possible. Yeah. I love yeah. that mindset. Did, yeah. did you, um, did you like have a specific project or opportunity that kind of like catapulted your career, like after you were graduating or while you were still, you know, studying your master's, like where was that kind of transition from like, okay, I'm a student. I'm trying to get like, make sure I have this full-time career as an artist when I graduate like, or did you just graduate and then like all these opportunities come, came to you? Like, what was that kind of story? <laughs> there actually was like a turning point, which I realized in hindsight, but it definitely wasn't like finish university, start working. Like I was always juggling the two, you know? So I guess mm-hmm. halfway through university, um, I was asked to speak at a Lululemon event. Wow. And this was like my first big thing. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and all the people in that company Like, it's just a really good vibe, really lovely people. And I was nervous, but they made me feel great. Um, And then I just connected with all of them, you know, like in person, but then also like on social media after the event. And then they had a project come up where they wanted to do like an activation. And because I had connected with them and like developed those relationships, like I went to yoga with the girls, you know, um, I was top of their mind when that opportunity came around. So that happened and I kind of got this insight into like, you need to be 
obviously present on the internet, but really make an effort in real life, you know, Mm. (laughs) and then do the things and document those things really well, like photography and time lapse, and then share those things with the world, which is like social media, blah, blah, blah. And then things start to roll from there. Doing the things, documenting the things, sharing the things. (laughs) So it was, so Lulu Lemon had reached out to you to speak. And was that like your first brand partnership or collaboration or did you yeah. have some prior to no that was my first one so I was, I was really stoked with that and then I don't know what my next one I can't quite remember what my next one was but a mixture of word of mouth kind of developed onto the next thing and the next thing so mm. yeah so I'm really honored to work have worked with some like amazing New Zealand brands and worldwide as well um but yeah I don't know it just happens organically once the ball starts rolling I think mm-hmm now I've been hearing that um, as a consistent theme uh, with a lot of my artist guests where it's just like you just do the work and you make sure you show up and you be the good person, <laughs> you know, you don't be an yeah. asshole and yeah. create those, uh, that network and those relationships and then things, magic, you know, happens. Totally. And you also have to like be kind to yourself. Like I've had some, cause I'm kind of like shy and awkward. I've had some cringe moments. Like, okay. <laughs> this one you gotta time. share. You gotta share. I know. I know. <laughs> and if Jenny is listening to this, that's really funny. So Jenny was the um, like New Zealand regional manager of New Zealand. And we had a really awesome relationship. And I was flown up to Auckland to do this um, ladder painting live event with a mental health app called Think Ladder. And Jenny, this Lululemon regional manager, showed up and I was so excited and nervous. And I was like, hi. And I flung my arms around her and then I heard a couple of people go, oh. And I had spilled this like <laughs> bottle of gold oil paint all over her. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I'm cringing so much right now, but you know, (laughs) shit happens. It's all part of the journey. Oh my God. (laughs) But I'm sure she never forgot you after that. I know, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) So, but you know, what I love about that is just kind of like, you kind of take what happens gracefully. It happens. You make light of it. You do what you can to come out of the situation and pray that the other person on the other side is just as like, <laughs> like, like hearted about the situation too. Uh, I know. And it, yeah. it can just be something you laugh about, uh, you know, exactly. look back and laugh at like you are now. <laughs> yeah. And then share it with the world on a podcast. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gangstar creatives, you heard it first here. <laughs> Cringe shit happens. <laughs> yeah. So the type of work that you do is very like detailed and, you know, like fractures, the mandalas, all the patterns and it just, your work, the work that you type of do, you do is like very, it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> um, I remember doing, um, similar type of stuff like for a class in um, college and I was just like wow whoever does this kind of work it's like it needs like a lot of patience and that's like I don't have that when it comes to when I'm mm-hmm. painting like I'm very like fast I'm not a perfectionist like so I really admire that um, that in your work so how long does it take to create like one of your pieces and what is that process to creating um, your your kind of work well first of all I admire that you can do like fast expressive paintings you know like I can't do that um (laughs) my art for me really is a productive meditation you know it's Mm. um my works take on average around 100 hours I'd say um and it's this process that evolves and it allows me to really like calm down and get into that flow state and I'm always listening to podcasts and music so um yeah it's really good for me too because I think like mental health wise it just like helps with anxiety and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I just really love that slow detailed process that evolves over time I can see that you know being meditative I mean that's what a lot of artists who do your kind of work it's it's supposed to be a meditative type of yeah exactly and it's about the process you know yeah how do you take that into large scale like onto murals so it's one thing to like Cause it's all like geometrical and symmetrical and all that. Like I'm always curious of how you can take something like that, that takes that, you know, a lot of um, 
prepping and processing and patience to then apply that to like a big wall? Like, is there a different process to how you do that? <laughs> it's definitely different and I'm always learning, you know, but mm-hmm. I also do take a lot of time. Like my last mural commission was in New Zealand, um, which they flew me home for, which was amazing. And it was a six week commission. And there was wow. an artist like down the like downstairs from me who did their mural in like three days and with a spray can right (laughs) and I was like but (laughs) like my process is about this slow meditative artwork that is like as close to perfect as I can get it you know so from far away it's effective and then close up it's effective but um yeah it's definitely a process making it large but I'm getting larger and larger and so I really hope to be part of a mural festival and to be able to paint like sides of buildings you know so always learning yeah. always growing. have you gotten the opportunity yet to paint something on that scale or like what's the biggest mural that you've done so far uh I did it the the biggest one was that last commission so it was five murals and one was 30 meters so mm. um, which is 98 Girl. feet you go. You're American. <laughs> yeah. Did you get that? I'm like, I can't, I can't calculate that. Yeah, um, I did it on my computer. You can do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a oh, wow. person. <laughs> yeah, so it's big, but like, I just, I just feel like there's never a limit. Like you make a goal and you reach it and you're like, okay. And then there's the next goal, you know, the bar is all mm-hmm. I'm interested to know, okay, so you obviously you pointed out like you had, you know, the, the spray artist who's able to complete something in three days and you're here for like six weeks working on yeah. it. On a <laughs> and this is, you know, a um, commission mural. And so for people who are listening that may have like different styles of work, you know, and you, you see a lot more of the street art um, on murals than you do your kind of artwork. Have you mm. found that there has been like any type of pushback from businesses or like the type of clients that you have based off of how long it takes you to do your kind of work or is it they know you know what goes into it because they've seen your stuff and they're reaching out to you and they're okay with you like taking the six weeks versus you know another artist they could hire to do like a three day one (laughs) um well that that um six week commission was very unique because it was five murals and they were all massive um Mm -hmm. so like the time was just necessary but a normal mural I'll take about a week but I think like my clients because they come to me they appreciate the time and the repetition and the symmetry so it's something that I can't do quickly because if I did it quickly the effect would be lost you know so no I haven't had pushback but it's an interesting question I'll let you know if I did Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, and even knowing that, like, it typically takes a week. I, I mean, I, that's pretty fast, in my opinion, for the kind of work that you do, because I don't think I could do what you do <laughs> in a week. I'd be like, give me, like, two, three weeks. I'm going to have to, you know, fix these lines here. <laughs> need this a is like a little off. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how is it that you do get your clients and your customers and those commissions? Do you do any type of marketing or outreach? people just reach out to you so I've got those um lots of different revenue streams and different things that I do right so I have murals original artworks prints which are open edition limited edition product lines and I collaborate um so all of them are a little bit different you know so I do a lot of work across social media and I'm always learning like I have to join TikTok but I'm just like too nervous (laughs) but I'm always like trying to keep up with with everything but then also what I said before about like actually getting out there and being involved and going to exhibitions and holding exhibitions so it's just like being out there and then word of mouth so I don't necessarily do like marketing but um you know, you do a big project and then you get press coverage for it and then someone else reads it. And yeah, it just kind of rolls on like that. Do you get, do you send out um, press releases for all the projects that you do? Is that like a thing that you do for this your work? Uh, I did at the beginning. Funny, like <laughs> all the time I've done outreach, it's never really worked. <laughs> Even though I said really, outreach? Yeah. So, uh. 
um, like I recently did a collaboration with a New Zealand brand called Blunt Umbrellas and they are like mm-hmm. an incredible company and like that generated a lot of, of media and then from then they like the magazines asked me about other projects I was doing you know so again it kind of one thing leads to another Gotcha. Okay. Cause I wasn't sure if that was like a strategy that you use, like sitting out press releases for all the big projects that you do, or if is it just the press that comes that the company puts out and you happen to be a part of that project that they put out into the press? Yeah. So like they would use a PR company, but then the magazine might get in touch with me and ask my opinion. And then we have a relationship and then they say, what else are you creating? You know? So mm. you might get just like when I got my foot in the door with Lululemon at the beginning, then that led on to something. So it's just about getting those initial um, chances in and then developing relationships and nurturing those experiences. Gotcha. No, I love that. Now I'm going to take, we're going to rewind a little bit because you did okay. kind of say under <laughs> your breath about, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying figuratively, like you wanted to do TikTok, but you said you're nervous about doing TikTok. Why is that? I had to well, touch that back up. <laughs> I downloaded it and I've like definitely uploaded stuff, but I don't know. I just, it's a different platform. It requires different content. And I have focused a lot on Facebook and Instagram the whole time mm-hmm. and so I just need to like put myself out there a bit more and like change up my content because I think TikTok really is based on comedy and you know so yeah I'm just figuring out my approach no <laughs> no so I only brought that back up because I love TikTok and you're I've really good the- at it you see my TikToks? Yeah, <laughs> you're funny. good at it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I follow a lot of different TikToks and um, there's all, I think it started off with like comedy and that's like a big part of TikTok, but I've seen a lot of like cool artists and artwork um, that people use and post onto TikTok. And I feel like your style of art would be really good type of content for TikTok because it's so meditative. It's, you know, a lot of people love your style of artwork. And I think it's just, you can easily repurpose a lot of the content that you have already created. Like, I don't really think you have to think too much about it. I think you should just create the account, post what you have, see how that does. And then as you're creating more stuff, just like think about, oh, maybe I can just show a clip of like, you know, me working on this piece and like showing like a little bit of the process and then posting that. I think, I think you would do really well on it. Maybe I'm just making another excuse, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then another reason I say that too, and for people listening is like, TikTok is kind of new. And I think because of the pandemic, a lot of people have gotten on it. You know, it's gotten Mm. a lot more attention. And it's not just for kids. It's like people of all different ages, companies are on there. Um, And it's actually a really, uh, I feel, I feel like it's an easier and faster way to one, grow your following and even like have Mm. engagement with new audiences because it's a big deal too. Yeah. It's so short. It's about like those short clips, you know, up to a minute and then it's just like a lot easier to follow people and like people are so more willing to like follow and engage with your art or your post, whatever your content is. So hmm. just wanted to put that out there as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what would you say is your, your method for pricing your services? You can share maybe like if you have different processes for like your commissions versus your murals or um, what is, what does that look like? Yeah. So it is different for all my different types of projects, but I'll, I'll use an original artwork as an example. So it really is a mixture of factors, like the time spent, the intricacy, the size, the materials, but then there's also that artist factor too. So as well as intellectual property and creativity and the years spent, also your, your brand and your reputation and your existence as an artist you know there is Mm -hmm. it's just different for every person so um and it also it goes it increases over time you know so I cringe at what I priced my work at five years ago and in five years ago I'll cringe at what I priced my artwork now but it's all a journey yeah so what was how did you price in the beginning versus compared to how you do it now Hmm. I don't remember, but I'm guessing, <laughs> so I was, I went, uh, <laughs> I was part of a whole lot of like small group exhibitions and I think I just like saw what they were pricing and I priced somewhere in the middle just to be part of it. 
Um, mm. I think that's probably how I started, but yeah, I can't quite remember. Gotcha. Okay. I feel like that's kind of like how people start off too. They just kind of like look around or ask, you know, their friend, what are you charging for yours? And yes, or totally. even, even if it's just like a mindset, what do you feel confident in charging to, um, and kind of doing that? Did you, is there like a specific, um, method to pricing say your original artwork or mural or let me just say like murals like people do it differently sometimes I do it by like square footage sometimes I do it by day rate um what is your process that you can share yeah I do square footage but then it also depends on the surface of the wall so if it's like Mm -hmm. like bricks with lots of gaps it's just going to take a lot longer than if it's a painted white wall so it's custom again um, but often the bigger projects, they'll come with, to you with your budget and then you need to figure out what size you make it to fit that, to make it fit you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I know you want like dollar amounts, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it and I, and I think I'll share like figures, but mm-hmm. sharing the actual numbers, I actually don't find that helpful because we need to look at like who, like, what do we want to be as artists? And for me, that's, I, I want to be a professional. I'm a professional artist. So what does a professional make? And that's what I expect to make as an artist. So I guess pricing I is, is also like, so if I'm going to make X amount, how many things do I need to make and sell to get there? You know, five mm-hmm. euros at this price. So you can break it down like that. But at the end of the day, like you need to support yourself and make a living if it's going to be your career. Yeah, absolutely. Is there factors into, um, or like what factors do you look at for someone who's listening that just heard what you said? What would you tell them to consider um, as far as like how they should value themselves and what prices they should set? Hey, Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. Well, I guess something you could look at is who is buying your art, you know, um, age, sex, um, location, you know, demographics, different things like that. Um, and how big it is, is it a statement piece? So I guess something that could work sorry I'm being so vague but it's because there isn't a simple answer like art is worth how much someone wants to pay for it so I guess you could find a number that feels too low find a number that feels wildly too high pick the middle and then go slightly higher (laughs) gotcha no I mean everybody everybody has been different I'm sure you've heard if you've been listening to my podcast everybody has different answers which is why I think it's so fascinating I think it's important to share too because you know, maybe somebody listening to you now thinks that your, you know, your way of pricing aligns with what they want to do versus somebody yeah. else, like vice versa. So yeah, thank totally. you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, I guess, it, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, I guess like to make that clearer, like at the beginning I was charging like hundreds and then now I'm charging four and five figures because it's a career, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a, it's just a good way to look at it that at the beginning, you just like start small and figure it out and then you can increase as you go. No, I love that. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you heard me say like, there's power in saying like the numbers, even saying like, now you charge like four to five figures. Like, I feel like for artists, like kind of getting into it or starting out because nobody really shares their pricing or like they don't really see it everywhere. You have to like either directly as the artist or if you go to like a show like they might have the pricing up or they might not like you have to inquire about it so like you don't really have that kind of like standard or like things to like compare to and then figure out what works for you so knowing and sharing that you charge you know now like four to five figure you know offers or deals for your projects it's like to somebody listening I could be like oh like I did not know I could charge you know over a thousand dollars or even ten thousand dollars for a project um because I feel like some artists don't have the mindset or the confidence to value themselves and like to stay like just in the hundreds range when it's like what you do you know you have to if this is what you want to do you have to make 
a living for yourself you have to eat yeah. you know and then you also have exactly. to value your time yeah yeah it's complicated but you can do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is complicated because I feel like with art there's just so many different factors and like kind of totally. like how you brought up you have like the texture of the wall you have the type of style you do you have your own um I can't think of the word, but just like, you know, how well known of you are you as an artist? You know, you have that kind of value. You also have like, who is the, the client and what type of value can you, uh, can you bring to them and what type of budget do they have? You know, it's like considering all these factors. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like what I love to share is just like, you can charge a lot of money for what you do just because you're doing artwork. You don't have to like sell yourself short or like do stuff for free or always say yes to everything that they want. And like, that's the kind of thing that I love to show the listeners, like from people like yourself who are doing this professionally, it's like, no, there's different like things you have to do and think business wise. And there's different um, things to take into consideration when it does come to pricing your work. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's just like to be a professional, like charge as a professional and be professional. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know? Put that all like, on Do a poster a shirt. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then if you don't mind sharing too, if this is like uh, the first time somebody's listening to like a muralist or a type of artist like that you are, um, what is the most that either you or like you know that artists can make from like painting a mural? Like just throw out like a big number. Um, just so like people can hear those numbers and have some sort of like idea like, oh, like this is actually a career that I can actually make blank off of doing different types of projects. Yeah. Um, so like well into the five figures, I think. So like last year was my first like proper year as an artist out of university and I hit the, mm -hmm. the, six, the six figures, which was amazing. But if you look at Love how that. that was broken up, um, murals was the, largest stream of income and then collaborations was second original artworks was third and then prints products like all the other things add up but um yeah you can you need to charge the right amount for murals and it's not the same as like a painter that paints a wall one color you know and it's more mm -hmm. than a graphic designer so you need to price like a professional and and then do a really good job <laughs> no i love that and i love that you brought up like the different streams of income do you find I mean, I believe in that. And I think that's like a smart business move to make as an artist. How has that um, been for you? Did you always have that mindset? And do you recommend like all artists to have those different types of streams of income? Or revenue? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's key definitely. Well, at, at least for me, like not having to rely on one thing, you know, and if one mm -hmm. thing doesn't happen, there's something else happening. And being able to back myself up in any situation. Like if a mural falls through, I've just released a new product and then I'm creating a new artwork and then create prints from that. So yeah, just having multiple incomes and at the end of the year, like the way that that adds up, um, it means that you can have a proper lifestyle from it, you know? And then also projects evolve and your life evolves. So if you just say, I'm only creating prints, then you are narrow, well not narrow-minded, but you're not, opening your mind to what could come so I love doing all those different things because something unexpected might come up no I love that um do you have like employees or people you contract out to or assistants or anything like that do you have a team at all or is it only you it's just me I would definitely love a studio assistant but I think I'm like a good few years away from that um I guess the professional services I use is a lawyer when I need one um, an accountant once a year but yeah other than that it's just me and google <laughs> <laughs> i love that um for your uh like lawyer or accountant do you use a specific software or business or program for that or do you actually have like um like a person that you're connected to like a business that you're connected to that does that for you uh yeah a person so i do uh, all my accounting and then once a year like go to the accountant to file my returns and then mm -hmm. a lawyer I go to just in like specific instances like if I need a contract really looked at like I'm at the point where I write my own contracts but sometimes if it's extra tricky or a larger amount and I want to make sure that it's kind of bulletproof um, <laughs> so yeah more on like a one-off basis that's awesome do you um have a like 
daily routine or weekly routine to balance out, you know, like the business side of things as well as the art side of things. Cause your artwork itself, obviously, you know, creating artwork takes a lot of energy and time and planning, but then the business side is just the same. Like you said, you now you feel like you write all your contracts and I know that like takes a lot of mind power. So is there a certain like routine or weekly routine, like one day you do um, like your art stuff and the other you do like the business side or does you kind of go with the flow? What does that look like? I wish I could have a routine, but <laughs> it's just not for me, you know, like I've tried. Um, <laughs> the best tool I have is actually one of my products. It's a daily planner. And the way that I do it is I write down everything that I need to do. And then I go through and number in priority. So which one's number one, two, three. And I always start number one with like, have a drink of water. And then I'm, I've started my <laughs> list. And then number two is answer that specific email. And then I do that email and then I'm on a roll. And so I guess like day to day, I need that to get me going. And cause it's like procrastination, right? Once you start, it's actually mm -hmm. not that bad. Um, and then I just prioritize what's going on in that moment. So if I have a collaboration, I like to go all board. And so what do I need to do for that collaboration? I need to finalize the contract, design, do the actual designs, um, write, like figure out the invoicing, write an e-newsletter, figure out my social content for each platform, write a blog post, plan a YouTube video, film the video, edit the video. So, <laughs> you know, I just like pick mm -hmm. a specific task and I have lots of projects going, but they're all in different stages of their timeline. So mm -hmm. like today, for example, I'm creating an artwork for a collector and I'd like to be done, you know, this time next week. So that's like my priority at the moment. But then those moments where your eyes are tired or your back is sore, you take a micro break and then, you know, package up a parcel or, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's just like, I have a list of my goals and I'm always working towards them, but every day is different. <laughs> No, I love that. And I love that you kind of shared almost an outline of like the process that goes into doing, you know, your work. It's like creating the work, but then like you said, you got to find like the contract, you got to like shoot, you got to edit, you got to create the, you know, the email marketing. <laughs> totally. There's so much to it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really valuable that you shared that for someone listening because maybe, you know, a gangster listening doesn't even know that those are things that people do or like, oh, I didn't even think I needed to do that or I never even considered that. Well, let me yeah. like make sure I'm doing these types of things um, yeah, to make sure. sure getting stuff done. I mean, I think that goes to show too. I mean, you have a pretty big following and engaged following at that on social media. Um, what what do you feel like kind of built up your following? Was there like a project that you did that kind of catapulted um, your engagement and the following that you were able to build or is it just kind of over time did you follow any sort sort of like social media strategy or anything like that um I guess like the first like three years I did focus on social media like figured out how to create and post my own style um and I like engaged a lot in research strategy and things like that so I did go really hard the first few years and then mm. it started and then once it got going, then the growth was organic. So, you know, like the first 10,000 followers, if we're talking about Instagram, is like the hardest part. And then it becomes mm -hmm. organic. And then like, like I've also been growing as an artist as I've been growing my business. Like if I look at my work from when I started now, I'm like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. I must have just been so cocky. And then I'll look back at my work <laughs> now and I'll think, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. I was so cocky. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just like grows and evolves. But Instagram and social media is really important. Like you have relationships with people, you know, and you share your mm -hmm. art and your process. And yeah, it's an amazing tool. Like we're so lucky to live in this day and age where we can take our careers into our own hands you know yeah well you're obviously doing something right is there some is there any tips or advice that you would give to our listeners um who want to you know build their following for their artwork um I guess it would actually be like to get off the internet as well which is what I've touched on before but mm -hmm. like 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 figure out how to do it like do good things online but then go out and 
go to events, be in exhibitions, and then that in itself is content, right? And then so you're just documenting what you're doing and sharing it within Mm. an aesthetic. And then I think, like, if you really focus on the art, like, the cream rises to the top, you know? Like, if your art is really good and you can figure out how to document and share it, then, like, it should just all come together. No, I love that. Is there anything, like, um, is there anything in your process of creating the social media content that you feel or have learned is key um, when creating or posting to your Instagram, for example, or any of your social media platforms? Honestly, not really. And it's always changing. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Social media is like so awesome, but also so like anxiety provoking, you know? <laughs> and I, I also feel like part of the reason why I'm so driven is I always feel like I like haven't quite nailed it. I don't know. And I know that sounds like negative, but I'm just always trying and learning and yeah. So I don't know. consistency, I guess, mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah. I love that. Would you say like consistency all across the board? Because when I look at your like Instagram, for example, it's like obviously there's consistency in the way it's edited and like um, how you're taking photos of your artwork, even like the branding for your your brand as an artist is very consistent throughout. Um, would you, I would assume that you would say those are all like important factors that people should yeah. take into consideration too. Yeah, exactly. It's not that, it's not the one thing about your posting, like exactly what you said. It's the way you take your photos, edit them, the caption, the way your website is, the language you use in your emails, the art you make, like everything you do is part of your brand. And I know brand has funny connotations about it, but it's the same thing as like reputation, you know, it's just who you are and how you present yourself and how you communicate with people. It all is part of who you are. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Do you do, um, have you ever had like a art manager or like been part of an agency at all? Um, so I, when I was in Wellington, I shared a studio with like 12, uh, 12 other artists and hmm. only some of them were there all the time, but cause I was quite young, it was really interesting seeing how everyone did business and then I've had lots of friends that are artists um, and I had a couple of projects that I wasn't sure how to price for and I asked one of the artists and she said you should talk to my agent so um, there were a couple of times I used an agent to negotiate a price for me and then I did the rest of it and that was like an hourly rate thing um, but That's I don't cool. tend to do that anymore but that actually was a valuable um, lesson to learn I guess because it yeah showed me how to negotiate and how to price because I'd usually be cc'd into those conversations that's that's something new that I'm learning from you so like you can there's agents out there are agents that you can hire on an hourly rate to handle the negotiation process um and things like that um no I don't think so (laughs) like I think it was more (laughs) that like your friends just uh, I don't know I think like what am I trying to say? I was going to use the, an agent, but I was finding that I was getting all the work myself. So I just didn't gotcha. have a long lasting relationship, but no, I don't think it's like a one-off thing normally. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool that um, you kind of shed light on that too. Cause that's something that I've always interested in, like with, with artists who have done a lot of the collaborations and things like you have, you know, is it how many of it is actually through like an agency that has reached out to create these partnerships um, or if like these artists have managers that you know handle that part and like seek out these type of collaborations but it looks like um, you haven't done that yet that would be awesome (laughs) but at the same time I think when it is just you like that's what a brand or a big client wants they want you they want your art so if you can just like figure out how to do the business side and the email and then keep going up with it all. Like you can definitely do it by yourself. Gotcha. So as somebody who's done a lot of licensing deals and collaborations with a lot of big brands, what is that experience like um, to license your art out for the people that are listening that maybe have heard of art licensing or, 
you know, maybe someone's reached out to them, but they don't know like what the process looks like. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Hmm. It's definitely unique to every project. So, and not all of them I share. So for example, like a collaboration is when I'll get to like a brand and I will get together and we create something in unison and it's like the two brand names together and we promote it in unison and, um, I'll be paid like a one-off fee and then a commission on um, each sale royalty. And then there are other types Mm. of licensing deals. Like there's this American jewelry company that are really awesome that I've worked with for like three years on and off. And I've created a lot of simple artworks for them that are not associated with my name, but that they use with their products and branding. So that is a, price per artwork kind of deal so everything is a bit different and as long as you're open with communication and and willing to negotiate then um yeah you can figure it out but it's definitely different every single time yeah that's what i've been hearing when it comes to licensing kind of just depends on the project and what goes into it um could you share like some of the things that you that do go into um working out like a partnership or licensing deal like what are those things um that artists can expect to think about and have to negotiate um and yeah like what the process is even like after they say yes and you guys get a, a deal you know like actually in the books like what happens after that too. yeah so I guess there are certain things you have to think about like um over time I figured out the right combination for me is a one-off fee which is paid 50% non-refundable um, upfront and then 50% mm-hmm. at the end of the project. And then we, we negotiate a royalty. And sometimes, because um, often like the bigger brands come to you with a contract um, that's already kind of pre-written. And so mm-hmm. you just have to comb through it because sometimes there are little clauses that are like, um, we own the artwork and you, you don't want to sell someone your artwork. You want to license it to them. Um, Mm -hmm. Or they'll say something like, we can use the artwork in any capacity that we like. And this might be small print in the middle of a huge paragraph, which means that they could print it all over every product and put it everywhere. So you just need to like make sure you protect yourself and your artwork and are being paid for the usage of your work for a specific amount of time. Mm, I recommend going to a lawyer actually the first couple of times because I only know this through experience, you know? (laughs) Yes. No, I think that's good. And I think even um, anybody who's listening to your episode or have listened to past artists who have done licensing, you know, they all kind of say the similar things as to like what goes into the licensing. And from what I've heard and learned, it's like if you don't understand it, um, there's because there's so many things that go into it, like it would be smart to hire out a lawyer um, and ask for some legal advice to comb through the contract with you and even explain, you know, what you should be looking out for and what needs to be added into the contract to make it more of a win-win. So you're not like getting your art stolen and you're not getting taken advantage of. Yeah. What would you say has been your like biggest mistake that you've made in business? And then how did you grow from that? (laughs) Okay. It's another story. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for it. Um, so it's just the classic contract, didn't make a contract story, but oh, the situation. Man. So it was quite early on, definitely learned from this, but okay. So I painted a mural for like a wellness center and it was, mm-hmm. and it was opening soon. And, um, the two people that I were dealing with, they were really awesome. So I painted this mural like across a week, um, and met these people's like families and we had an amazing time and they dropped me home a couple of times like it just was like an amazing professional and friendly relationship okay so we got to the end and I was like here's (laughs) the invoice and they were like great and then a week later I was like I just haven't just following up on that and I'm like oh so sorry we forgot about that I was like no worries and then it was like (laughs) this just kept going on I was like okay this is this is not happening is it and it had been six six months or more and I was like I think I'm going to like look into my options and I ended up going to a debt collector, which is like not what I want to be doing. Like I am not into confrontation. So (laughs) the debt collector found out that this person had like multiple legal names and it was like all way crazier than I had ever imagined. Wow. I know. And so the person like 
kept getting different cell phone numbers and basically the debt collector fizzled out. And I, it was like a, a year after and I'd poured so much energy into this and I was like, I'm just going to learn from my lesson and let it go. So I let it go. And then fast forward a couple of months, I was walking my dog in the evening and my house was in the CBD. So there was next to like a couple of bars and restaurants. And this guy was standing outside with his mates, like having a beer next to my driveway. And I was just like, oh my God. And so I was walking with my toy poodle, George, and we locked eyes. And I was like, okay, this is my one chance. Like I have to either say something or just walk away. So I walked up to him and I was like, you, I am a young artist and you owe me this many dollars and you have to pay me like I was just using keywords because he's with his friends and he's like shush you have to be quiet come over here I was like no you cannot silence me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um and so went into the corner and forced him to pay me right there on his phone and then I walked home and burst into tears <laughs> Oh, yeah. MG. I know. That is so crazy. Is not like me. I shall not be doing that again. I really don't <laughs> like confrontation. And this, this is like, the same I felt way. like that was extreme. So always have a contract, guys. <laughs> it's, interesting. it's so crazy to hear that because it sounds like they kind of like, you know, pampered and groomed you like in the beginning. Like, yeah, everything's good. We're friends, we're family. And then like you do the project. And it's like, they were planning on paying you the whole time they were yeah, sitting this in front of you. Un, this was a really unique situation. Like, I don't think this kind of thing happens. And I think they were intending to pay, but I think shit hit the fan in their business kind of thing. But yeah, I don't expect Dang. that to happen again, but it was how are you able a crazy to get, experience. How are you able to get a debt collector if you didn't have a contract? I don't think a debt collector cares. Really? You just contact them There's and no, they like, say, proof. okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's weird, actually. Uh -huh. I never thought about that. But yeah, huh. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That was a stressful time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, I think I would have did the same thing. Like, it's, it sounds like it took, like, a long time for, like, it was, like, over a long period of time. And then you have yeah. all this, you know, anger and anxiety and everything built up where you just kind of explode. But hey, yeah. They paid you, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I should have exploded on you like four weeks oh. ago or a month ago. <laughs> oh my God. It was only because it was in person and my toy poodle. He's very threatening. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think Ooh. that's a hard lesson that a lot of creatives and artists go through because, you know, you want to see the good in people and take people for the word. And, you know, you're just like so excited about the project, so excited exactly. to do your work and then when it comes down to getting paid and actually like feeling like you know happy other outside of just doing the the creative work you're like okay this this isn't right I need to make sure that this never ever happens again and exactly yeah and I guess just yeah. moving forward from that I just there are no exceptions you know even if it's someone that I, I actually know like this is the contract and you can still be friendly while being professional but you just you just have to cover yourself in all those different areas yeah I love that I mean throughout <sighs> any even as an artist like any business owner any entrepreneur like you're gonna go through those ups and downs and those mistakes and failures you're gonna fall back on your face but as long as what matters mm -hmm. is like as long as you get back up and what you learn from that um exactly. and moving forward so that doesn't ever happen again <laughs> I've shared two cringe stories <laughs> so far I love it oh god I feel honored <laughs> to be your first podcast and for you to share all your cringe stories the more oh, the better I wasn't planning on it <laughs> terrible <laughs> funny have you ever invested like in a, like a business coach or um, any, do you have any mentors or is there any other like ways you've invested in yourself and your business um, from like learning the business side of things at all? Um, not necessarily. I definitely use like internet tools a lot like Skillshare and YouTube. And then I recently bought access to masterclass, which is quite interesting with my friend who's an artist as well. Um, and then there are artists that I look up to. So um, in America, there's an Australian artist called CJ Hendry. And in New Zealand, there's an artist called Hannah Jensen. And they are both like amazing women. And I don't like have contact with them to be like mentored, but I just admire them. Um, 
so yeah I, I don't I do it by myself but I definitely look up to people and seek resources when I can no that's awesome I love that this is a question I'm sure you've heard that I ask all my guests is how do you think we as a creative community can annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? I think that it is an outdated concept. And I guess individually, we just have to strive to smash through it. And then over time, that status quo will change. You know, like it's important mm -hmm. not to listen to like the negative things like that statement because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy just like those statements that I mentioned that I was told by um, senior lecturers you just have to not listen and don't let those limit or let those limiting beliefs be part of your fuel you know so mm -hmm. we just all have to work really hard and then I think over time it will change also like every industry you can be a starving musician or mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like you just need yeah. to make it happen or you will no. be <laughs> yeah no I love that it's just it starts with your mindset and not letting you know those limiting beliefs really soak in yeah your confidence in that so no I think that's good and I think it's it's crazy that you know to hear that there are professors lecturers teachers you know who you're supposed to be learning from and essentially like want to be like because you're learning from them you know and they're telling you themselves as artists or as creative professionals that like this isn't this isn't where you can make a lot of money or this is where you can be successful etc so that's kind of totally. crazy to and I guess that's why it shocked me the most and don't get me wrong like most of the people at the university were incredible and like my main lecturer Tonya Sweet was amazing but I guess because I had other like senior people say those things it reinforced to me that you have to be your own biggest fan and like make it happen because lots of people will have will be haters you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but also yeah. but more people are wonderful so it's just weird how we always remember the negative stuff more than we do the positive that's so true I think um, something to like add that to anybody that's listening, you know, on that, that idea, we, you know, we need to pay attention to the negative stuff more than we mm. do like the positive stuff. And I'm not always good at this, but I think it's good to write down every like good thing that happens that are like totally. those moments to celebrate or like even when I do use my planner which is kind of an on and off thing like I always have a section where it's like good things that happened this week Amazing. so that I can look back on it and be like oh that did happen that that week or like oh I did do this thing that week yes then you start realizing like oh my gosh how did I not like do this before how did I not like I would never have remembered this because this shitty thing happened you know so totally. I think it's important to do that totally I think you've got to ride those waves too you know some mornings I wake up I'm like I'm a failure and I don't do anything and I'm the laziest person in the world. And then <laughs> I just have to like look at my artist CV or something and see what I've achieved. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Funny how I don't remember that. I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> no, you're really. Motivate yourself every day. <laughs> no, I love that. Is there any like last pieces of advice that you can give to the Gangstar listener right now that, that will help them excel in their creative career? Yeah, totally. Um, it's a quote from my dad, <laughs> some advice mm. that he gave me. He is incredible. Um, and it's really simple, but it's like, he once said to me, he wasn't trying to be profound or anything, but I just think he's <laughs> awesome. And he said like, look where you want to be and then plan the steps of how to get there and then do it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> so like simple he, and profound. That so he's such a go-getter and he's achieved amazing things in his lifetime. And I think he, probably does that you know and so yeah I think to all the people listening to your podcast that want to be artists and in whatever form or entrepreneurs like figure out where you want to go and go tunnel vision and make it happen you can do it <laughs> I love that sounds like the apple didn't fall too far from the tree either <laughs> maybe <who knows>? <laughs> <laughs> um what's next for you you know, I know I hate, I like love asking that question because I'm excited to hear like what my guests have going on. But then at the same time, I'm like, man, with this pandemic and this like, just everything going on, like everything 20, is like- 2020 is gnarly so far. Oh it, my yes. God. <laughs> it is so crazy. 
Okay, so apart from everything that's going on in the world, which is much more important, in my own artwork, I've got a couple of things coming up. So um, I have a collaboration coming out with a New Zealand company in October, and it keeps getting delayed because of different things and then coronavirus, but hopefully I'll come back to New Zealand to launch that. Um, and I've got a magazine feature coming out next month, and then excitingly i'm about to release a new product and i'm releasing a jewelry range so it's been in the works for a long time but i wanted to perfect it make it really beautiful and elegant um, and yeah i'm excited to go do that down that new path of jewelry i love that that's so exciting yeah. congrats I'll send you one. <laughs> oh really you. really oh, thank you <laughs> Well, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of your knowledge and your story and all of the good stuff with the Gangstar listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's been amazing. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDFs. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.